Welcome to the new year, everybody. Welcome to the new year, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to the new year. I, you know, um, I was reflecting on the new year, um, and I was like, man, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, this new year feels very different to me than, than, than past ones. Um, and that was what I was trying to think about. I was like, why? Why does this feel so different? And I realized, or at least for myself, and maybe this is true for some of you, normally I start a new year, and man, I got all the resolutions, all the goals. I'm like, this year I'm going to crush it. Whatever it is, I'm going to crush it. All the stuff I promised to do last year and didn't, this is the year, right? This is it. But this year, I don't know, I just didn't have that gusto like I normally do for these resolutions. And as I was thinking about it and trying to compare it to years past, I think I at least know why for me. And maybe it's true for you. You know, at least compared to last year. Last year, we were very content to leave 2020 in the past. You know, you might have seen memes kind of like this one on the screen. Like, whatever happens, just don't go back. You know, 2020. But there was, there was a cautious optimism that 2021 would be better. Right? That we would get some relief from this pandemic. Um, so there was this careful hope, perhaps. But now, a year later, we realize, okay, that whole relief hope that we have has really just been replaced with a far more complicated picture. Yes, came the vaccines, but so did a bunch of variants. And now we are in the middle of yet another surge in our society. And so that whole cautious optimism, I realize, yeah, that's not really there. <laughs> We're not feeling that as much this new year as we were last year. Instead, optimism has been replaced with just a tired. <laughs> I'm glad somebody relates, right? Like, we're just tired. And when we're tired, it's like, you know what? I don't have the energy just to get up and go again. When I'm tired, I don't have the motivation to care as much. When I'm tired, I don't have the strength of self-control that I would normally do or, or the ability to just, just push things off. I tend to have a bit of a shorter fuse. Anybody with me? <laughs> no, no. But when, <laughs> it's just me. And when we're tired, like, man, how do we tend to approach the new year? Not quite with the same gusto. And so my question is, if we're already an exhausted, tired world, how might we enter the new year? Not neglecting goals, but just differently. You know, the point of goals, the goal of goals, really, is that we might become, a health, become healthier, right? Like that's kind of the point. Well, if we're already exhausted, How might we develop an attitude toward 2020, 2022, forgive me, that is more focused on learning how to rest well? And when I say rest, I'm not talking about just physical rest, although I'm sure plenty of us need that. But I'm talking, like, how can we enter 2022 with it so that we learn to have deep soul level rest? The kind of rest that is internal. 
that, that, that is possible even when the external world is still crazy. The kind of rest that addresses those, those deep things within us, the fear, the uncertainty, the grief, the pain, the wounds, the shame, the unsettledness that already exists and we've been carrying for two years. How do we learn to rest like that? And see, just to start another year with another set of, let's create more goals just didn't seem appropriate to the moment we're in. And so we've decided just as a leadership team, hey, let's do a series instead. Four weeks to kick off 2022 called Come Find Rest. And where in this series, we're going to spend this week and the next three weeks talking about the different burdens that we tend to carry that God never intended us to carry. Burdens like the burdens of control, the burdens of many voices, the burdens of always needing more, and today, the burden of shame. That all of these, even if today doesn't speak to you as much, maybe next week will, but each of these we've all dealt with and carried to some degree or another. But Jesus in Matthew 11 invites his weary, burdened listeners to come to him and learn from him how to live, work, Go about our relationships, but from a place of soul-level rest. That sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? And so I'm learning with you this series. And we're going to start each, each week. We're gonna, it's going to go basically like this. One, what is this particular burden? Two, what does it look like to find rest in Jesus? Why is Jesus the one to lift these burdens and to give us rest? And then three, how do we learn to go about our lives, even in an uncertain world, but yet from a place of soul-level rest? Jesus says that's what he wants for us. So, this is where we're going every week. So, let's come to him. Let's learn from him. And we're going to start by looking at Matthew eleven twenty-five to 30. And if you want to turn there with me in the blue Bibles in front of you, we're on page 792, 792 of the blueback Bibles in front of you. But I want us, as we read this, let's read it with anticipation. Let's read it like it's true. Let's read it like God wants to say something to you today. Because that's going to change everything. These words are meant to be balm upon our souls. They're meant to lift something from us that we've been insisting on carrying or have been carrying these last two years. But he wants rest for us. So listen, Matthew eleven twenty-five to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do, that all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. Let me open us up in prayer, and we'll dive in. Jesus, we know that you have the very word of God. You are the word, capital W. And we are here, we are gathered, whether, again, online or here in person, we're gathered because we want to learn from you. So will you open our ears and open our hearts wide that we might lean forward to hear what it is you want to teach us? And then show us how to live as a result of that. Teach us, because you are our teacher. And so, God, may you have your may. May these be your words, not mine. And may your spirit lead us toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, we're going to spend four weeks looking at different soul-level burdens. And today, we're addressing what I call the burden of shame, now, some people might call the burden of shame the, the, the inner critic or maybe the, the voice of the accuser. And we'll get to those in a bit. But mainly for now, I just want to call it the burden of shame. What is it? How do I, we identify it? And how does it burden our souls? You see, shame afflicts us with the burden that we will never be good enough. Shame is the emotional reaction of despair or embarrassment that results from the failure to measure up to some standard. I'm going to say that again. Shame is the emotional reaction of despair or embarrassment that results from the failure to measure up to some standard. So in Matthew 11, Jesus is speaking to a group of Jewish people who are a burdened people. Not only do they carry the financial burdens of trying to provide for their families while also paying the burden of the Roman taxes, but they are also focused on protecting their families, protecting their villages. And on top of that, they carry the burden of, of, of obeying God's law, the ethical, sacrificial, purifying demands of the Torah, God's law. And so they carried a lot of these responsibilities. And over time, by the time you get to the time of Jesus' day, a lot of these responsibilities were referred to as a yoke. Now, what is a yoke? Now, some of you guys may have heard a yoke referred to as like the, the piece of wood that is strapped over the back of two oxen while they're plowing a field, right, in that day. But that's one form of yoke. Another form of yoke is the kind that was placed over the back of a human laborer or slave that would allow them to balance a load on either side. So that's uh, one version of a yoke. And by the time Jesus' day comes, yokes became a symbol of the Jews' responsibility to uphold and obey God's law. So for example, at a, a, a bar mitzvah in that day was uh, what a Jewish boy, it was a celebration, a ritual that a Jewish boy went through uh, that marked the becoming of a man. And at a bar mitzvah, the Jewish boy would, would commit to bear the yoke of God's law. He had to bear the responsibility for obeying it all the days of his life. Now, I want you to remember that, right? Please stick that in your mind because I'm going to come back to it in a little bit. But the problem in Jesus' day is that many rabbis, Pharisees, teachers of the law would tell the people, okay, obeying God's law is one thing, but we're going to add a lot of extra laws on top of that. 
that you have to obey too. And oh, by the way, if you don't obey, then God is going to delay in sending the Messiah, the Savior, for you. And it will all be because of you. Talk about pressure. Right? And Jesus didn't like this very much. Which is why he, in Matthew 23, he calls out the Pharisees for laying burdens, cumbersome loads, yokes on the people's shoulders. So if the Jew failed to live up to the yoke of the law and all the other religious stuff, God stays away from you. And everybody suffers for it. So do you feel with them right now just that pressure they had on their shoulders? And since they were human, like us, and prone to sin, like us, they could not always uphold that yoke. They failed, no matter how hard some of them may have tried. And therefore, they bore and knew well the despair and the embarrassment of shame. And this is where many of us can relate. That many of us feel like there are standards, weights on our shoulders. But we can never seem to be good enough or measure up to it. See, because shame mercilessly burdens us with a standard that we cannot hold. The standard in your mind may be God's word. The standard might be whatever definition you have in your head of what makes a good person. The standard may be expectations that somebody else or the culture has placed upon your shoulders. Whatever it is, when we fail to measure up to that, we we tend to carry guilt. Because now we've done something wrong. Or we, we, we carry regret because of something we didn't do or failed to do in the past. Or maybe we feel we carry people's disappointment because we failed to live up to what they placed upon our shoulders too. See, in other words, sometimes we carry shame because of something that we've legitimately done wrong. Right? We've actually, we have sinned against God. But other times we carry shame because we take responsibility for, for a standard that somebody else placed upon us that God never actually put upon us. Shame comes from both. Like in, in abuse situations, abusers work to convince the one they are abusing that everything that's gone wrong in the relationship is their fault. The abuser is placing shame in order to control the one they are abusing. And I've learned in my life, as someone, I have bore this burden many times. And I've learned in my life that the burden of shame comes with a voice. And that voice in our minds is often distinguished or characterized by the word should. You should be better. You should be more spiritual. You should do more. Who cares if you just read the whole Bible through? You should read it again. Who cares if you witness to one person? You should witness to ten. And it's never enough. It's never enough. Psychologists may call that voice the inner critic. But scripture calls that the voice of the accuser. The accuser who is Satan. The word Satan in Greek literally translates accuser. 
Revelation 12 says that he's the one who shouts shame at God's people day and night. And if we carry that shame, meaning if we believe it, it's always a setup. It's a setup because once we can't live up to this standard, once we get too tired to hold it anymore, shame, we drop it, and shame condemns us for it and isolates us from God. You know, on the screen, there's this, this picture of what I like to call the cycle of shame. That for oftentimes, this is how it works. That one, we fall short. We sin, we disappoint others. Somehow we fall short of whatever standard it might be. And after we fall short, we experience guilt. Now, guilt can be healthy if it actually reminds us that we have sinned against God. But if it's false guilt, right, because it's, we're not measured up to a false standard that God never gave us, that's actually unhealthy. Let me just make that distinction. But often from guilt... The danger is, is when guilt now moves to shame. Because guilt, like when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do right away? Hid, ran, blamed each other. That was a reaction of shame. Because now that they have done something wrong, that is a reason to run from God, not toward God. Because shame tells you, you are a disappointment, and therefore God is too disappointed to see you right now too. And when we are left alone by shame, what's left for us to do with it? We try to carry our shame on our own without God. And that can look like a bunch of different ways. Sometimes carrying it can look like we shut down our emotion. Or we shift blame to somebody else. Or we try to mentally escape and turn on the TV, video games, drinking, substance abuse, you name it. Or we just punish ourselves. And we say things to ourselves that we would never speak to anybody else. You are such a screw up. Failure. You are such a, you fill in the blank. Shame can also lead some to punish themselves by actually wanting or choosing to physically harm themselves. And I'm saying if that's you, please come talk to one of us, and I promise we will not judge you for it. Because that's not what God wants for your life. But shame, when left to our own, when we try to carry that, only perpetuates this cycle over and over again, because now that we're carrying it on our own, we are too tired, too worn out, running around that thing like a gerbil on a hamster wheel. What a hamster on a hamster wheel? Gerbil can find hamster wheels too. But over and over and over again until we're just worn out. Because shame cannot give us rest. It can only lay more burdens upon us. That it isolates us from God. And as we are isolated and we can't carry it anymore, the accuser waits to condemn us right at the moment that we drop it. And then we feel like we can never go to God with it. The reason why God isn't coming to you is because you've fallen short. You see that? But then Jesus comes, and he comes with a complete opposite narrative, doesn't he, than the accuser. 
See, when shame shouts, you'll never be good enough or worthy enough for God's attention, his love, his direction in your life. What does Jesus say? That while fully knowing your shortcomings and guilt, Jesus invites you to come to him. So the religious leaders in Jesus' day claimed to be experts on God. Their claim, that before God will come to you, you have to be practically perfect. But Jesus comes with a very different claim. He goes to a whole new level. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In other words, the Pharisees think they're all wise and learned and smart as to the things of God. But Jesus says they're really only guessing. Because he says the Pharisees, when it comes to the knowledge of God, they're really starting preschool. Jesus is like, I got countless PhDs on the subject. He said, as both fully God and fully man, Jesus is saying, I'm the sole intermediary between you and God. I am the only qualified authority on who the Heavenly Father is. So the Pharisees say, you got to get your life right before God will come to you. And Jesus is saying, no, come to me. Jesus doesn't invite the self-sufficient, but the weary and the burdened to come. Jesus said, it's up to the Son to reveal the Father. And since it's up to me, I'm extending an open invitation. <laughs> open invitation to everyone who is done trying to carry the load, the burdens of life on your own, including that of shame. Which means the only condition to coming to Jesus is that you recognize your need for him. You recognize you are weary. And you see, in doing all of this, Jesus is providing a way out of the cycle of shame. Because yes, we've fallen short. Yes, we carry the guilt of our sin. But Jesus doesn't say that the guilt is a reason to walk away from him, but it's a reason to walk toward him. For he is gentle and humble in heart. The voice of condemnation isn't his, but it is the voice of the accuser himself. And it is precisely when we're done trying to fix ourselves, reach God on our own, figure it all out without him, that Jesus is waiting with arms open. Because the accuser yells, you'll never be good enough. But Jesus invites, come to me. And it was Jesus who in love for you and me chose to then bear the burden of our sin, our shame, our failures, our shortcomings, so that we could live. It was Jesus, the scriptures say, whom God made to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might then become the righteousness of God. That when our guilt deserved eternal shame, he bore our shame and humiliation on the cross so that we might be declared right, righteous before God. And what must we do to receive that? Recognize that we are weary and burdened without him. And then trust by his grace that his arms are open wide to you.
so it is in his grace that we find rest. Rest, which is the peace, the fulfillment of our souls, no longer burdened by our failure to live up because it's all been paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus. It was enough to cleanse us from all sin. This means in Christ, it is no longer our responsibility to atone for, to make up for our sin with what we do. He's already done it. He's already finished it. It is done. He has bare that burden, so we do not have to. So shame shouts, you're never good enough. But Jesus invites, come to me. And what happens after that? When we do come to him, does rest mean, okay, great. So now I can stop trying so hard to be a moral person, a good person, and I can now do whatever I want. Well, no, no. But how does life change once we've offloaded the burden of shame onto Christ? Well, Jesus says this, as we learn to come to him, he teaches us to quiet the accuser and rest in his grace. You know, in this passage, Jesus says, come to me, but he's not done. He says, I got two other things. Come to me, and when you do, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So you guys remember the whole bar mitzvah thing, right? Where the Jewish boy becoming a man takes the yoke of God's law upon his shoulders. Well, Jesus is saying in this passage, he says, take my bar mitzvah upon you. I am now commissioning you as mine, placing my yoke, which is easy and light, upon your shoulders instead of the yoke and the burden that you could not bear on your own. That we commit to a different yoke, that of Rabbi Jesus. And as we commit to him, he commands us. He says, now you're just beginning to learn from me. But this teacher is different from all the others because he, he is gentle and humble in heart. He knows exactly the pace at which to lead us so that we can grow and become like him. That, that as the God of grace and love, he already bore the burden of our shame. So the yoke of his way is easy and light for our souls. You guys see in this? He's inviting us to discipleship. It says, come to me, but then once you do, you're going to become like me. You know, personally, you know, I, I've, I've followed Jesus since I was a teenager. But I feel like only now am I starting to understand something of this yoke that gives rest. Because, guys, I've been around that shame circle more times than I can count. You know, that, I, that prompted by, I don't know, a memory of something that I didn't do or did do. Or maybe I lose my temper with people I love. Or maybe I disappoint somebody or don't live up to somebody else's standards. And all of a sudden, man, the accuser just nails me. Nails me. And the voice in my mind tells me, man, you better, you should do this, 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 this before you'll be acceptable. 
And so I mentally beat myself up. When I'm tired of that, I blame somebody else. When I'm tired of that, I just work harder and try to figure it all out on my own. But when I read these verses, I see something different. Because when I'm finally done going around that circle because I'm just too tired, that becomes the time when I'm able to actually hear Jesus. And I get tired of running and running and going and trying to do it all on my own. Because when I'm done trying to be good enough on my own, that's when I'm most likely to be desperate enough to come to him. And I hate that I have to get to that place sometimes. I wish I would just come to him right away. But perhaps that's what he's teaching me now. But shame shouts, you're never good enough. But Jesus just says, come to me. So how can we learn to come to him and find rest? Well, just a few quick things before I close up. First, even before you feel worthy, come to Jesus. Even before you measured up, even when you have screwed up, even when you have fallen short. That's a, not a reason to run from, that's a reason to run to. Especially if you know who he is. And I've learned that this is one of the reasons why it's so important that, that we have a daily habit of spending time with Jesus, of learning to come to Jesus. It could be, you know, turning on a worship song, uh, going for a walk and praying, sitting down with Scripture and reading, whatever it looks like, right? Like, but it's so important that we develop a daily habit of that because some days are good, some days are bad, and we learn who He is on all days. That He's gentle and humble in heart, and His arms are open to you. And second, after we come to him, ask Jesus to teach you what's his voice and the voice of the accuser. And this, this is a learning process because I've sometimes it's complicated. Because there are times that, that God's voice comes with, with the word of conviction. Where he points out something that we've been doing wrong or an attitude we've had. But it's never to push us away. It's always to bring us closer. The voice of the accuser is condemnation which is to push you away, to shame you, to burden you. Sometimes you even feel it in your body when you carry that shame. Sometimes we have just gone through that cycle so many times that we think because we've done something wrong, now we can't come to God. He's too disappointed in us. But may we hear these words again, no, I am gentle and humble in heart. Come to me. And then third, as we come to him trusting in his grace and we learn to recognize his voice and reject the voice of the accuser, third, honestly offload your sin to Christ and ask, ask him to teach you his way again. This shows us that life with Jesus is process, isn't it? And it's never as fast as I want it. Never. But that's learning. That's learning. You would expect that for your own kid, but we don't expect that for ourselves. I should know this already. How many times have we said that to ourselves? I've been walking with Jesus for decades. I should be better by now. Did Jesus tell you that? But as we come to him, we learn to offload 
Jesus, man, I lost my cool with my kids today. But instead of doing this, I, like, teach me how to love them. Jesus, man, I, I let fear and anxiety get the best of me today. But that was today. But, so will you teach me how to trust you? That this becomes an opportunity, and instead of carrying our shame, we drop it at his feet and learn. But if we insist on carrying this, we're not free to follow. Because it's a burden that we are bearing. But perhaps when we fall short, it's not a reason to walk away from. Maybe it's the evidence that we still have some things to learn. And if we have some things to learn, then maybe we can humble ourselves, come to him, confess it, receive his grace, and just say, all right, teach me again. Because Jesus never asked you to fix yourself or anybody else. His yoke is come. Learn. Let me teach you. That doesn't mean that the way of Jesus is going to be easier or less demanding. Sometimes his way is more demanding but we're able to follow him at rest in our souls, which is entirely different. And sometimes you don't really know what that is until you've actually experienced it and you've offloaded it. If you've never done that, perhaps today is the day to do it. Come to him. Shame shouts are never good enough, but Jesus invites, come to me. So as we turn to take communion together, what burden are you carrying? I know for some personalities in here, like, you're like, well, shame's not really the burden that I carry as much. Don't worry, we'll get you next week, okay? <laughs> we'll get you next week. But I think one thing we can all stop and consider is what have we been trying to fix or hold up on our own that we can just bring to Jesus instead? Anger. Lust, self-pity, addiction, bitterness, self-hatred, trying to hold up, be responsible for somebody else or somebody else's standards on your life. What manner of shame have you been trying to carry on your own? And what if Matthew 11 is true? How does that change everything? How might that even change our New Year's resolutions? That perhaps this year, 2022, is the great year to just say, you know what? What I'm going to focus on is consistently coming to Jesus, learning to hear his voice, and then learning from him. I'm going to let him drive the pace for all of us type A's in here. I'm going to let him drive the pace. I'm just going to come. Maybe that's our New Year's resolution. And then we'll find rest for our souls.